Hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson, and I want to wish you all a happy belated Valentine's Day as uh, Valentine's Day was yesterday, so we have a special program for you here today. We're going to welcome back to the podcast author uh, and pastor Ray Rhodes. So, uh, Ray, welcome back. Kevin, it's good to be back with you. Happy belated Valentine's Day to you as well. <laughs> and uh, we have you on the podcast because we want to talk about your new book, uh, You're Still Heaven, The Untold Story of Charles and Susie Spurgeon. Um, the last time we had you on the podcast, we were talking about your previous book on, uh, or Susie, about uh, uh, Susie Spurgeon and her biography. And so now you've written uh, this book specifically about uh, the just the the love story of, of Charles and uh, Susie Spurgeon. So uh, I'm excited to read this. I just I just got this yesterday, uh, so I haven't read it all the way through yet. But I'm excited about what I've read and, and what I'm going to read. So um, I'm I'm curious as to, um, you know, after you wrote your book on on Susie, uh, what led you to say, you know, what I want to delve into this a little deeper into their relationship. Yeah, yeah, the Spurgeons uh, are like the Alps in a way, uh, the, the great mountain range. They, there's just so much there. And every time you, you uh, scale a new height, uh, there's, there's a new discovery. So uh, there, it's just a, it's a wonderful, fascinating story. I think many, many people all these years after their deaths uh, are still interested in Spurgeon. He's still one of the top-selling Christian authors of our day. And the more I learned about their love story through my doctoral research, through writing Susie, the more I realized there's more to tell and uh, in the new book, and there's still more to tell. This is a, another glimpse at a wonderful, happy, joyful, faithful marriage. Uh, not an easy marriage, but a happy marriage. All right, so um, I want to develop that a little bit, the idea that it's it was not... Uh, it, when you're married to um, the Prince of Preachers, I can't imagine it's it's always going to be an easy relationship. And with Charles gone, uh, so much preaching and whatnot, there had to be had to have been difficulty um, in that marriage. Um, more than just the average. I mean, every every marriage is going to be difficult and have its challenges. Uh, but when you're living in Victorian England to uh the pastor of the metropolitan tabernacle uh there, there's got to be those extra challenges how did they work through that and how did they uh, address all of that yeah uh, there's the there were the normal challenges of life that all of us face they they face sickness they had children to raise uh and the challenges that come with parenting uh they uh you know, they faced fine early in their marriage. They had to figure out how the budget was going to make, uh, how to make ends meet. So a lot of the normal things we experience in our marriage. But yes, you're right. Being married to Spurgeon, this worldwide figure, uh, just well known, especially from 1854 onward when he came to as was established in London. I mean, he was sought after. He was he was gone a lot uh, for preaching. Sometimes preaching ten or twelve times a week. Later, he's gone a lot for his health as well. And they're separated a lot. And uh, both of them felt lonely. Uh, both of them. 
And Spurgeon already had struggles with depression. Susie did not seem to be depressed, but she was lonely and she struggled with anxiety when him being gone, concerned about him, and he was concerned about her health. So, you know, there's there lots of challenges. All the demands upon his attention. Imagine being married to a person like that, that the whole world is seeking mm. him. The whole, the whole world wants his ear. So I think the, the way they survive that is the way we survive our challenges and the way we live life joyfully is the, it's God's ordinary means of grace. Both of them were faithful in the Word of God daily. They read the Scripture. They meditated on the Scripture. Both write about Scripture meditation. They sought the, the Lord in prayer. Uh, and they engaged in family worship. Whenever Charles is at home, he's leading family worship. That probably was happening about twice a day, uh, at least once every day. And when Charles was gone, Susie would lead family worship. So, uh, and that consisted of reading a Bible passage, uh, giving a brief explanation, prayer, and singing. And everyone in the household would gather, the, the children, the uh, laborers who labored at, at their home, friends that were visiting, acquaintances, anyone in the house. When family worship started, everyone participated, or they could choose to leave, I guess, but uh, Spurgeon expected everyone to participate. So it was, it was really spiritual means mm. that uh, kept them grounded and, uh, and helped them to remain strong in the midst of many, many challenges. Now, speaking of family and challenges, um, I, I do want to warn our listeners that uh, today I'm not in our normal studio, uh, which is my classroom, uh, but I'm at home today. Well, we have some uh, challenges at school, some internet problems, and some inclement weather. Um, and my wife is at a Bible study at this moment. So my kids are running around the house, um, and you'll probably hear them at some point during the podcast. But we're a family-friendly podcast, so um, we're going we're gonna to welcome that. Um, but anyway, so... Uh, let's start at the beginning. Uh, how did this relationship start? How did how did Charles and Susie meet? Yeah, it's a very unlikely uh, relationship. Uh, a surprising start, no doubt, and uh, and quick and rapid changes uh, in their relationship. So Spurgeon, essentially a country boy, a, a country preacher, preaching in a small village north of London, a church that grew, that grew rapidly under his ministry. And he was called to London to, to uh, preach in essentially as a guest preacher, but in the back of the minds of the folks there, they're also looking for a pastor. Uh, their pastor was gone, so Spurgeon was brought down. He was surprised that a London church would have any interest in him even preaching a sermon, much less being their pastor. So he comes down in December of 1853. Susie Thompson is an attendee of the church with her parents, not a member. She sees him, hears him, and uh, has no interest in him at all, and is really surprised that the New Park Street Chapel, as it was then called, uh, had would, would, would have him in their pulpit. She was really offended by the way he talked, uh, by the way he looked, everything about him. Uh, so she just sort of shook her head. Uh, but fast forward a, a, a bit. Uh, Spurgeon is called to be the pastor of the church, and is that is that as is it is obvious that is going to happen? Uh, he gets wind that Susie Thompson is a struggling uh, attendee of the church, he sends her a copy of the Pilgrim's Progress, he inscribes it, praying for her progress in the faith. Uh, that leads to her opening up to him and discussing her spiritual challenges. She felt she was backslidden, cold to the things of God, uh, a relatively recent convert herself. 
And so she opened up, Spurgeon began helping her, and uh, within a couple of months, so from December when she's offended him, April he's helping her, April of 1854 now, and June he reveals his love to her uh, at the Crystal Palace, like the grand reopening of the Crystal Palace, the sort of World's Fair of exhibits and uh, displaying the progress of England and the world during the Industrial Revolution. So he, uh, he opens a book, points to a, a poem on marriage, asks her if she prays for the one who is to be her husband. For the first time, she gets it. She knows what he's communicating to her. They're able to take leave of the group they're seated with. They're, they come with a group, so she had no idea that any of this was uh, in Alice Virgin's mind. They go for a walk, and she says love really blooms that evening. And two months later, they're engaged. So less than a year, she goes from being offended by his appearance mm. and his speech, and uh, now she's deeply in love with him, excited about marrying him, and they're engaged. So no. <laughs> there, there you go. So there's hope for those guys out there. If you're ugly and a terrible preacher, um, <laughs> there may be someone for you that you least expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thankful my wife overlooked my <laughs> imperfections over time. I, I don't know how she felt the first time she saw me. I should, I'm scared to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> my but, wife yeah, has to... That's, uh, the Lord's work in, in their hearts yeah. uh, really knit them together. And, and you know, she was a city girl. She's cultured. And Spurgeon was not. I mean, he's from the country. He's not refined. She's used to a different kind of preacher and preaching. And so we can understand how that sort of bumped against her cultural mm. sensitivities. And, and pretty soon she looked back on that and she said, you know what? The real problem was not with Spurgeon. The real problem was my own heart. I couldn't mm. recognize the spiritual treasures that he was giving for the pulpit. And so it was really his his heart for Christ that drew her. It wasn't his looks. I mean, Spurgeon himself acknowledged he was not a good-looking man. Other people seconded that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it was not his, his style. Uh, it was genuinely his heart for Christ and his, his love for her. Hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Charles the Lover, which it sounds weird for me to even say that, because, you know, this is Charles Spurgeon... The Prince of Preachers. This is Spurgeon, uh, the great man of God. Uh, you know, lectures to my students. Spurgeon. It's weird for me to think about him in a different light. But you refer to him that as that in the book as as the great lover. How was he? Was he a, a doting husband? Someone who was uh, romantic? How how did that play out? Hey, Kevin. That's uh, yeah. I think that's the. This is the first time that descriptor has been. Uh, placed over Spurgeon. Uh, again, Prince of Preachers, The Last of the Puritans, I mean, lots of descriptors that folks have, that have had for him throughout history. But the more I looked into Spurgeon's uh, feelings and emotions and the way he described his wife, the letters he wrote to her, I said, this guy is a great lover. And it, that is evident in many ways that we talk about in the book, but one of the things that touches me the most is the way he talked to her and the way he talked about her. He, he talked to her so gently, so kindly, so lovingly, so romantically. Some of their letters are, are, almost make you blush the mm. way he talked of his, uh, the burning fire of love that he had for her <laughs> and uh, how he sent her gallons of love from uh, when he's traveling. He wrote her love letters every day that he was separated. Anytime he was gone from her overnight, she's getting a letter. Uh, he's constantly writing to her. 
And his son, their son Thomas, after Susie died, said that uh, his dad was unashamed of his love for his mom, uh, his, his love for Susie. And he described it in his writing and in his speech. And I've often thought if, if Spurgeon were alive today and, and he used social media, which I, I sort of imagine he would, hmm. because he tried to publicize the gospel in any legitimate way that he could, that you would say, you know, pictures of him and Susie together, or you would hear descriptors or descriptions of his love for Susie. He was unashamed of that. I think of the passage in Song of Solomon where the lady says, his banner over me is love. Yeah. And Susie felt that. She heard that. Others knew that. Uh, everyone that knew Spurgeon knew he had a wife and knew he loved her, which that's important. For all of us, I think, and it's important for guys like Spurgeon, who's on the road a lot, to for everyone to know, I've got a wife and I love her dearly. I'm, she is mine till death do us part. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as as we're talking here, we're. It seems like every other week there's a new scandal with a big name preacher who has uh, fallen, uh, has failed in his marriage, has fallen into adultery or whatnot, uh, and it, it just seems so almost common now. What was the difference with Spurgeon? He he didn't fall into that. He he, he seemed to be madly in love with his wife till the day he died. Um, what was the difference now, uh, you think? Yeah, uh, it is, uh, you're right, I mean, it's constant. And of course, we are more aware of things than we've ever been in history right. with uh, all the news that we get from a thousand sources, it seems. Uh, but Spurgeon was singularly focused on Jesus Christ. Hmm. Uh, it, you know, you pick up any book of Spur uh, uh, Spurgeon's, read any Spurgeon sermon, uh, everything that we hear about Spurgeon, it's always it always comes back to the centrality of Jesus, the supremacy of the gospel, the glory of Christ, and I think that was what kept him focused. You, you know, he he was tempted, like we all are. There, no doubt, were uh, folks who would love to have seen him fall, uh, but he was so singularly devoted to his wife and to Christ. He said, Christ is my center. Everything else revolves around that. Mm. He loved Susie so much that he, he wrote her one time and, and said, you know, we've got to be care careful in essence that uh, our love for one another does not in any way uh, eclipse our love for Jesus. So they had their priorities right. It was Christ over everything. And I'm able to love you, Susie, essentially, because of Christ and because I love Christ supremely. So it was that. Uh, Spurgeon was typically with people. He was almost never alone. He loved being with uh, with his friends, and uh, he he traveled with his male secretaries. So he had accountability. He loved the Lord Jesus. He was in constant contact with Susie, even though they were separated. And I just think he was so overwhelmed with Jesus, and that never grew old. Mm. And I think... Uh, Maybe part of the problem with uh, folks who are falling today into, into gross moral sin is it's somewhere somewhere along the line that guard is let down. They, they, cross, uh, they cross boundaries. Their affection for Jesus diminishes. They grow weary in their journey for Christ in some cases. And in other cases, you know, we, we don't know. Uh, not all who call on the Lord, uh, not all who 
uh, say Lord, Lord, will enter into heaven. I mean, we don't we don't know that, but I think we can just look at Spurgeon and say he was singularly devoted to Jesus, and he was uh, Susie's until mm. he died, and uh, he he just made that clear and made that commitment true in every every possible way. So, what are some lessons that couples today, Christian couples, maybe even couples in the ministry? can learn from the relationship of Charles and Susie. Yeah, uh, you know, the title of the book, Yours Till Heaven, came from a letter that Charles wrote Susie just a couple of weeks before their wedding day. It was in December. Uh, he was headed to visit his parents for a couple of weeks. He got on the train and uh, picked up his pen and, and, and started writing a letter. And he signed it, Yours Till Heaven, and then. Uh, and... That tells me that Charles accepted marriage, uh, not only accepted, he embraced it wholeheartedly as a lifetime commitment. There, there was no wiggle room there. There was no, well, I, you know, if this doesn't work out, I can get out of this. No, Susie, I'm yours, still heaven, till death do us part. And then I anticipate uh, us with all the saints of glory around the throne of God, loving one another, loving everyone else perfectly. and worshiping God forever. So I think we need to we need to learn that kind of commitment, that sort of uh, perseverance that they had through sickness, through controversy, uh, through suffering of all sorts. Uh, we need to learn tenderness and compassion towards one another. I mean, Spurgeon would come home weeping at times, and he didn't know why. He would be so down and so discouraged. And Susie would pick up a book of poetry, and that was something that ministered to him. So what ministers to our spouse? How can we encourage them? What would they enjoy? Uh, communication. Are we communicating in verbal, in just verbal communication? Are we writing to them? How are we staying in touch? And how can we deepen our communication beyond just, you know, uh, what are we having for dinner tonight, honey? Uh, but asking them about their thoughts and their feelings and their dreams and their hopes and their disappointments. And, you know, I wonder how many guys know the, the testimony of their wives, of how they came to Christ and the story of their childhood. I think some guys are not even that interested. Uh, they've got their wife. They're not so much interested in uh, the sort of family she grew up in or how she came to Christ. She professes Christ, but that's all I need to know. Yeah. And I think in Charles and Susie, we have an example of this sort of interest. Uh, Spurgeon is describing to her when he's traveling the buildings that he saw, the people he talked to. He would even sketch out uh, sketches for her to see. Uh, I've got a friend just like that. I, I'm with him at times. He calls his wife. And he's describing everything that's happened in the last uh, few hours since they've been separated. Uh, I think that sort of uh, joyful communication, she was his best friend. And uh, she she valued that she knew that she was loved. Though at times she felt that uh, he would he shouldn't wear himself out with so much attention on her. And he wrote her back and said, "Never think that it is my delight to write to you." Mm. Uh, so yeah, just saying that praying together, praying for one another, uh, working together in ways that we can on projects and ministry. How can we serve together? looking outward uh, to the needs of others. Uh, there's just a thousand things, but keeping that, uh, keeping the romance alive, uh, even when Spurgeon's about to die, I mean, three months before he dies, they are together uh, in Montan. First time she's able to go, God gave her health. 
and he's doing better. Uh, he, neither of them knew this would be his last trip down to the south of France. And she, he's sewing her places, and he is like a young man. It's almost like their honeymoon again. And he's saying, Susie, look at this and look at that. Wasn't it worth the trip from London to see this? And she said later, she said, oh, it was beautiful, the things he was showing me, but my greatest delight was seeing how happy he was that I was with him. Hmm. And uh, can you imagine how our wives would feel if we displayed such, and, and I hope they do, but uh, that we displayed such joy in their presence that they, they felt that, they saw that, and they were able to rejoice yeah. in that. All right, well, our, our, our time is slipping away, and I want to thank you for your patience today. Uh, we had a lot of technical difficulties uh, to start off with, and you were really patient with, with us, so I appreciate that. So I want to be mindful of your time. Uh, our resource this week, obviously, is going to be Yours Till Heaven, the Untold Love Story of Charles and Susie Spurgeon by Ray Rhodes. And uh, we'll have the link to uh, purchase that. And I, I want you to purchase that. Go out and get the book today. And if you've got a couple of extra bucks left over, go and buy Susie, uh, Ray's previous book, uh, a biography on Susie Spurgeon. So, Ray, right before uh, we let you go here, uh, tell us a little bit about Nourished in the Word Ministries. Yeah, Nourished in the Word. I'm, I'm a pastor uh, here in North Georgia, and also uh, I lead Nourished in the Word. And Nourished in the Word is uh, essentially my teaching ministry on the road, doing uh, conferences, Bible conferences, uh, marriage retreats, all sorts of events. And so I enjoy pastoring my church, and our church sees this as an extension of my overall ministry, giving me the opportunity uh, to teach and meet people and minister God's Word on the road a bit. Uh, so I, I enjoy that. Uh, I also included that my writing ministry and beyond writing books, I try to write articles and, and post blog posts from time to time and do some other things. But uh, yeah, that's the heart of Nurse in the Word. We've done family worship conferences, marriage retreats, student conferences, full Bible conferences, one-day events, uh, one-evening events, all sorts of all sorts of things with, with that. All right, well, I want to thank everyone for listening, and don't forget to check out our website at www.basicbiblepodcast.org. We can find all of these resources and uh, much more. So check that out and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Basic Bible Cast. And don't forget the Facebook group that's beginning to, uh, to uh, grow and to get some lively conversation going. So join us there. But join us back next week. Uh, we'll have uh, Pastor Logan Schwann on the podcast talking about his new podcast and talking about uh, his ministry here in Janesville, Wisconsin, and well, South Beloit, Illinois as well. Um, so that's next week. So until then, have a great rest of your week. <laughs>